the coach said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, coach, I want to come to Pitt. And he said, well, you know, you're being recruited by West Point, which was total nonsense. I was never going to go to West Point. (laughs) But he said, he goes, but, you know, these military academies, they can come take you after you commit. And I said, coach, if you want me, I am ready to commit to you right now. And I'm telling you, Dr. Clapper, I had five field goals in my high school career. (laughs) Two, Two of them were game winners. And so I was recruited because I I was BSing my way into the relationships with the coaches. I was I was media savvy enough because I had this high school class called you know media, and I had a kid who was able to edit videotapes. I was in the high school library, and we were taking videotapes from a VHS tape to another VHS tape. And instead of putting on like 15 field goals that I had kicked, I took the five field goals that I had. I would reverse the angles, and I made it look like I had a whole bunch more field goals. And, and I would take kickoffs that would blast through the end zone, and I would just keep showing them over and over again. And then I put music behind it, and I put slow motion into it, and I produced a videotape. And then I sent them to every school in America that I could send them to. And then I followed up and followed up like a salesman. And ultimately, I went from being this kid who was being ridiculed for even saying out loud that I was going to get a Division One scholarship to actually manifesting what I said I was going to create. And I did. And then luckily for me, I went to the University of Pittsburgh and I had coaches like John Gruden and um, Mike McCoy wow. and wow. Hackett, who Paul, people, you know, USC fans will remember Paul Hackett for his short period of time. And, and, you know, Marvin Lewis. And I played with, with guys like Curtis Martin and Tony Saragusa, guys who were first round picks. I mean, old Rams fans might remember Sean Gilbert. Um, wow. I, play, I played a, for coaches that became NFL stars. I played for play, with players that became Hall of Famers. And for a little Jewish kid from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who really didn't belong athletically, and I really wasn't qualified um, you know, to be there, I turned it into a, a, into a career. And, and you know, through that period of time, I became friends with a lot of the media members in Pittsburgh because it was what I wanted to do. And, um, and that really is, is the beginning of my, my media career. So it went from playing college football. I bounced around the NFL for a few years, trying to make it for a while. I played for the Chargers for a little bit. I got, I was brought to New England. I sat with Bill Parcells in his office and he looked at me and he said, I cannot sign a rookie kicker to replace a rookie kicker. And, and I mean, I, I had all these crazy experiences and then it just sort of transitioned into talk radio. Cause I would sit around and watch Howard Stern and I would finish his sentences. And I thought that's what I should be doing. And it turned into a 20 plus year career of talk radio. Wow. What a great story. I'm talking to the great, I'm the biggest fan of his, Scott Kaplan. I will tell you this, Scott Kaplan, I marry the world every Saturday morning for the last 10 years on ESPN on this show called The Weekend Warrior because of my passion for sculpting in marble. I traveled to Italy to Michelangelo's quarry because I love to sculpt with my hand, a hammer and a chisel. I love the world of art. I'm a surgeon. But I was an art history major. Why the hell would I become an art history major? It led to a lot of inventions and patents. So the worlds of art, the world of sports, they make sense to me. You know who my patron saint is? And I'm going to take a gamble right now and say that he's your patron saint was the great Steve Sable. He was the guy, just like you were there in that video room, putting music to the video of football. No one else did this until Steve Sable came along. Steve Sable, in many respects, made me love sports, love art, and was my patron saint. 
What are your thoughts about Steve Sable? I loved Steve Sable. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the early parts of my broadcasting career, so take this back now to the mid-90s, I would call Steve Sable. This is, you know, the Internet was just getting going, wow. just learning about email. This was a day and age where you would have to find somebody's phone number, call them, and believe it or not, they might actually be sitting there and answering the phone, a, a hard-line phone. And I would, I, I just, I feel the exact same way. It's so funny you're saying this because Steve Sable, what he did was he made football look like art on film. Mm-hmm. And, and even now, when I when I broadcast NFL football games and I'm on the sideline for Monday Night Football, I'm so fascinated by what Steve Sable created and yep. how its legacy lives on. And what I find super interesting about what you're saying, by the way, is that when you perform surgery or when you are sculpting or when I am on the air or when I'm doing other projects related to what I consider to be my art, which is the art of dialogue, the Mm -hmm. art of discourse, the art of debate, the art of conversation. There is an art to this. um, And, and, and for me, um, just like you, who, you know, really people probably look at you and they go, well, he's, he's a surgeon. But when they dig deeper, they find out that the surgeon is the artist who, by the way, has this other side of the brain that's, that's using his hands and sculpting. For me, um, I, I am a talk radio personality, and I, I consider that my art, okay? And yet, on the other hand, I have so many other interests. Most of them, though, they correlate very carefully and closely, um, and, and, but it's all sort of in the same vein, just the same way surgery is art and sculpting is art. For me, the on-air part is art. But you know what's happened as the world has changed is the off-air has become art as well. Because mm-hmm. if I'm on the radio for three hours on ESPN 710, guess what? I've got 21 hours of the day still to be engaged in the art of dialogue with my audience. And, and that's why, like you, who, you know, you could just be one guy. You could be a very successful surgeon and be happy being that. You like to do lots of other stuff because there's more layers. I feel the same way. I, I look up to somebody, I know this sounds crazy, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger who went from world-class bodybuilder to mm-hmm. superstar actor to governor. I mean, I, th- that's a guy who never got told you can only be this, and I don't want to only be this. So, so, Scott Kaplan, you may have a degree from the University of Pittsburgh, but you do have a PhD, in my opinion, in the field of loyalty because of your feelings for the fans. You're the spokesperson for the San Diego Charger fan because I heard you so many hours talking about it. I want to play a soundbite, if you don't mind. And I'm just, listen, I'd love to have a soundbite to play for Michelangelo. He's dead 500 years having you on the air to speak about loyalty. I want to know what these words sound like and mean to you. Rebecca, let's play the uh, sound with Jerry West, number seven. I remember when he was going to leave the Lakers, and I've never really mentioned this to anyone. He was going to come and sign with the Clippers, who I'm now involved with as a consultant. And I told him, Kobe, under no circumstances can you do this. And he was mad at everyone at the Lakers, the owner, everyone else. I said, Kobe, you can't go play with the Clippers. You can't play for that owner, period. Scott Kaplan, don't you wish someone 
could come down and tell those chargers, those, that ownership, just what Jerry West told Kobe Bryant. When you hear that tearful speech by Jerry West, recollecting that conversation with Kobe leaving the Lakers, what do you hear?